welcome to the Real IQ Property Management Podcast. Tal Messer, the CEO and founder of the brand new repairs and maintenance management system, Tuppy, joins Real IQ Director David Faulkner at Tuppy HQ in the heart of Wellington. Tal has a remarkable story, starting in business from the age of only seven years old. He and his team are rapidly growing across the New Zealand residential property management sector. Tal gives us a great insight into the Tuppy product and what makes this young entrepreneur tick. Hello there and welcome to the Property Management Podcast. This is the Real IQ Property Management Podcast. I am your host and director of Real IQ, David Faulkner. And with me today, uh, we are in the heart of our home city, Wellington, um, with a very special guest today. I've got Tal Messer from Tappy, the new maintenance app which is taking New Zealand by storm. Tal, how are you? Not too bad, David. Thanks for having me. Oh, mate, it's great to have you uh, with us here. And we're based today in uh, Tappy's head office. Uh, appropriately close to the little bear quarters and uh, in the hub of all where the technology hub is. Uh, you seem to be in your element, doing really, really well. Um, tell us how Tappy's progressed to date so far. So you launched this really at the Leading Property Managers Conference last year. What's happened since then? Absolutely. Um, over the last six months, it's been pretty amazing growth. We've, we've started working with some of the top companies in New Zealand. We've really seen amazing success for the companies we've worked with, the companies we started with, supported us from day one, and we've really seen the the quality uh, that we provide a service just to be phenomenal to help improve uh, maintenance uh, and our maintenance is provided as a service to tenants, landlords, and just in general to everyone involved in the process. Yeah. So a lot of people will be listening to this maybe for the first time and they'll have no idea what, what Tappy <laughs> is and, and no idea who you are. So yep. um, how do you come up with the idea? Uh, myself, personally, actually two years ago I started uh, when uh, I had, as a tenant, funnily enough, uh, a bad experience uh, with dealing with maintenance. So we thought, hey, if something went wrong, uh, a problem, or let's say a leak, it was actually a leak in our kitchen, uh, ended up taking three months to solve. And it was actually just a silly mistake, uh, something like a lost translation basically within, between everyone um, that ended up causing a problem that should have been a week to solve three months and all and of this, a sudden... And was this yeah. a managed property? Was this property under management? Uh, no, not for that case, okay. uh, which is interesting enough, uh, probably should have been. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I didn't know that at the time. As a tenant, that wasn't, uh, there wasn't much difference to me. Uh, so I thought, hey, like, how can we make that process better um, and basically improve the communication for everyone involved in the process and help streamline the process. So as a tenant myself, I get a good experience renting. As the owner, I don't end up spending all that uh, extra money that was spent on fixing a hole in the roof. <laughs> that yeah. specific story ended up costing $3,000 to the landlord. Um, yeah. And uh, yeah, just improve the process. Okay, because it's been in the news a lot really, hasn't it? You know, maintenance and, and con- there's been a report with Consumer uh, New Zealand highlighting the property managers uh, or the, from the tenant's point of view, when they're dealing with property managers, maintenance isn't getting dealt with as efficiently as it is with private landlords. Um, so you've seen a gap in the market, uh, really, where property managers probably, you know, when they get too busy, they're running around, they're rushing around, maintenance requests will come in, uh, they'll put the maintenance request through, or they'll go to the landlord, and the landlord, you know, for whatever reason, doesn't communicate with the property manager, it gets forgotten about. That's absolutely right. you got, like, uh, what, 120 properties on average per manager, um, some less, some more. Uh, you've got you know 
hundreds of issues you're dealing with, hundreds of work orders you're dealing with a month, uh, you're dealing with all sorts of issues, uh, you know, inspections, everything else you're doing as a, as a, as a property manager in your job, uh, and then you've got maintenance on top of that. And the communication ends up spanning from you know, the tenants, the owners, the suppliers, the traders. You've got so much communication back and forth. That's done apparently by email most of the time. Mm -hmm. That's tough to keep a hold of, keep track of, and really know uh, that everything's going well along the process. And you might be doing everything you can to your best ability, yeah. but someone else uh, loses track along, along the path. Let's say you want your suppliers, maybe the owner forgets uh, to reply back, as you just mentioned. Yeah. And then you know things get lost, and then someone ends up pissed off. So, 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 how does Tappy actually? You know, how does it work? So, if you're the tenants, yeah. what what does what does the what does the tenant do? That's quite simple, really. So, so the tenant gets their own little form. Basically, uh, you put your form on your website. You know, you've got your uh, maintenance area normally on your website as a property management business. You put your form on there, and this is a nice guided step-by-step -step process for the tenants to go through and report a maintenance request. Yeah. Uh, this helps them actually uh, with giving them some, some advice on how to maybe DIY things themselves. No, not in a bad way. It obviously uh, de-risks it by telling you, hey, here's a here's a, uh, uh, a risk. You know, don't, don't so, obviously. So don't a prime example could be like you know the oven, the time switch on the oven, a That's common right. one which property managers have to deal with. Exactly. You know, exactly. and it saves a call out fee. Exactly. That one. Uh, the power's off. Have you checked the fuse box? Yeah. Uh, don't put yourself in danger, but check the fuse box. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah so those are uh, common things. And the tenant submits that. They can take photos. This is all done by their mobile or their computer if they wish. Uh, they submit that, and that goes up to your dashboard as a property manager to see all your issues. So the tenant takes the picture, uploads it on this form yep. straight away. The property manager straight away they can see that. What does the owner see? The owner doesn't see anything at this stage, so the yeah. owner, um, it's, it's up to you as the property manager to decide what to do with it. So you get on your dashboard, you, you get to see uh, exactly the description that the tenant's provided, yeah. and you get to decide how to handle that. So you can send it off as a work order yeah. to one of your suppliers. Yeah. And that's all um, in the system, nice and easy for you to select. Uh, you can request quotes from your suppliers, if you'd like to put it out for tender or just select quotes from one, from one supplier. Or you can actually ask one of your owners uh, for approval. Uh, so say you know they, you this you know this job's going to take uh, over the normal disbursement limit mm -hmm. of what you have on your properties. Um, you can uh, basically send it out for approval from the owner, and the owner has to take it off before you progress. So is, is it gets to the stage where the owner can actually see physical, or the landlord, sorry, mm -hmm. the the contractor can see the job. Yeah, they can give you a real accurate estimation as to what it's going to cost to get that done without even having to go out on site to to do that. It has that ability? That's what we're working towards. Uh, so one thing we do is obviously the photos, um, we're working towards uh, videos and one thing we're actually doing some interesting stuff in the future is we're implementing with some of the uh, forward-thinking businesses is the 3D walk, uh, 3D tours. Yeah. So it actually allows the, the supplier to have the 3D tour of the property to actually yeah. see where they're at. So these 3D tours you're building are currently building for um, advertising purposes but why can't your supplier actually see that 3D tour, walk around the property and go, okay, that's where the issue problem is. I can tell what type of wall this is, what type of window this is. Ah, right, it's going to cost that much money. So on a, a common one, I mean, I remember going back years when you are a property manager and a common mistake, you see, tenant complains about all oh, the hot water cylinders not working. Yeah. Out goes the electrician and, hey, it's a gas hot water cylinder. Yep. So this has the ability where a, 
a trainee can actually physically go in and see whether the job's relevant for them, whether they're capable of doing the job as well, so they're not wasting time. That's exactly where we are working towards. Yeah. You know, that's our end goal, to help uh, basically allow your suppliers to be able to quote easier before actually going to the property. At the moment, most jobs still require the supplier to go in and quote if you're wanting a quote first. And of course, I mean, tradies are getting so busy as well, they can't be bothered doing the quotes as well. I mean, you'll, the common right. issue is your landlord will say, go and get three, four quotes. Well, the tradies are like, well, God, I've got that much work on that's anyway. Fine. That's right, exactly. Um, at the moment, we're noticing a lot of jobs still go out on uh, as, as a work order on charge-out basis, where yeah. they go, okay, just go have a look at the job and get it done under yeah. the normal disbursement limit to let us know if that, if that reaches over that disbursement limit. Um, so through Tarpy, you know, you send out your job, you send out that job out with the disbursement limit, you can select your health and safety hazards, that's a big part of it. So we make it really easy for our property managers to just tick, yep, asbestos, yeah. uh, yeah, there's dogs on the property, uh, you know, a bunch of health and safety hazards, and actually attached policies as well. That's a big one. So we actually solve some serious problems um, that obviously regulations continuously continuously changing, adding more and more work for you every time you send out a job. Mm -hmm. We're helping automate that. Yeah. And once you send that out, uh, the trader then or the supplier will get the job in their inbox, in their email. They get to see that, and they can just accept that and schedule the time. Is this limited to just residential? No, actually, so we started uh, launching a pilot with commercial. Right. It's a really exciting part of uh, what we're doing. Uh, we are focused on residential. So our big focus at the moment is working with property managers to provide the best value we can for them. Yeah. So every one of our customers is very important to us to make sure that we're delivering success. Uh, so the residential customers we have are everything to us. Yes. And we'll keep growing in that space. But in that same sense, we do know there's opportunity in the commercial side. Uh, there's also opportunity in the enterprise side where our big housing organizations where we feel we can add value. Yeah. Housing yeah. Museum, for example, uh, you've got your uh, yeah, local council housing um, that we can really add value and uh, shake up the way that maintenance uh, is, is delivered. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So you, you've, you've basically come onto the market. You, I mean, it's obviously growing. I mean, I'm going around New Zealand as I do. I bump into, you know, Taylor, who's your sales guy, who's your main guy over there. He bump into him in Auckland. They're obviously, you're obviously growing. Business going well. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's growing fast. Um, we're, we're hitting some amazing growth targets that we're excited about. And like I said, we're delivering results for our customers. You know, we're working with them still really closely, which is really exciting for us to be able to, to, to still keep really close to our customers, um, even though growth is happening. Um, does Tappy have the ability, because this is another thing that I can think of where you can, you know, there's ideas for, for improving the level of service. Is it gets to a stage where your tenants can start grading particular tradings on customer service and, and rating how well they've done the job? Absolutely. So that's something we have um, set up yeah. and it's already there. Some customers are enabling and some customers aren't because they don't necessarily want uh, the suppliers rated. But actually we find that the customers that have enabled it are really benefiting from really understanding what, what suppliers or how suppliers are treating the properties that they're accessing so, and how they're delivering the service they're delivering. So it's almost like an Uber or an Airbnb, isn't it? You know, if you go in there, the trader goes in, does a poor job, you know, leaves dust all over the place. Absolutely. So the tenant can go right. This guy just bumped. I mean, you can follow up with that and really figure out, okay, what, what was the experience like that was delivered uh, for the tenant, mm -hmm. and is there a way that we can improve that next time? Uh, is there some change we need to make as a business yeah. to really uh, improve the processes we have and all the supplies we have in place? Now, most property managers uh, find that their suppliers are, are 
very good. You know, yeah. they can trust them and they do the work because they they you know they have close relationship with their suppliers. Right. Tell, I mean, when, I'm, when I work with property management companies, one of the things I say to them is like you've got to have those good relationships with your trainees. They almost become your eyes and ears. That's exactly right. Yeah. And, and yeah. I mean, and it's in their interest to have a good relationship with you. In some cases, you're giving them you know, hundred thousand dollars worth of business a year. Yeah. You know, it's a significant amount of business. Um, yeah. Okay, uh, and, and is there a risk though that you may get a bidding war between trade? Because you'd be able to compare prices, won't you? And, and, and is there a risk where you know you could start traders have to start undercutting each other to win the business? I think it comes down to the relationship again. You know, this is a product for property managers to make their process easier and to save them time. Uh, when it comes to dealing with repetitive maintenance processes, so they can add value to their landlords and um, tenants as well. Yeah. Uh, it's 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 not a product that's out there to cause uh, distress for for your suppliers. And at the end of the day, if you have close relationship with your suppliers, um, you, you're not going to make them you're not going to make them bid against each other often. Yeah. Um, in some cases, you might, uh, and that might be at the end of the day to benefit of your owner in the case where you know, that you might need two or three quotes. And saying that. I don't think it's uh, it's it's going to cause that much level of, of change in what currently exists in the market the way you normally do. Yeah, yeah. We're seeing obviously, I mean, big change in the political landscape here in New Zealand with the with the Labour government. We're seeing a lot more focus on renting in general. Mm. Um, you could argue that you've perfect timing really for you and your business because there's such a focus on improving the quality of rental properties. Yes, there's a cost to landlords, but ultimately. Uh, it's going to benefit the country long term and and you're in the perfect place in the perfect time. It's really interesting you say that David because I find you know there's there's an aspect of it where we're helping uh, improve the perceived quality for tenants because something as me as coming in as a tenant to the market right now being reasonably understanding of what the market is like Having some education myself now on what the market is like, I really understand the amount of work that goes into the job. Yeah. Uh, so we, I don't think we're out there to, in, in a way, improve the quality that property managers provide because I think many of them do the right quality. I think we're out there to heal the relationship between tenants, owners, and property managers. Right. We're out there to create that uh, communication channel where you get on, on, on the same level with each other because if you're getting yeah. consumer reports saying that tenants have to wait a long time for repairs to happen, and hey, along comes Tappy and solves that problem because straight away the reports are coming to, look, we need this job done, here's a picture. Within 24 hours, 48 hours, something's happening. Yeah. That's really going to improve that relationship. Exactly, exactly. And it's about it's about healing the relationship and making uh, these different groups uh, that are all associated with uh, the, the life cycle of the property, which is the asset in the day, yeah. uh, you know, be closer together um, while not creating extra work right now. Yeah. So there's a little, I mean, obviously there's a big opportunity, not just in New Zealand for you as well, really. I suppose this is a product that you can take overseas. Absolutely. I mean, we've seen, you've got maintenance yeah. manager from Australia, you've got fixed flow from the UK. Mm-hmm. Um, You've got global possibilities with this business. Absolutely, it's it's, it's a worldwide problem, and at, at the end of the day, communication is, is is when it comes to multiple parties being involved in a process. Communication is always going to be a problem in some case or another. Yeah. You know, obviously, ninety uh, percent of the time things work well, and ten percent of the time causes ninety percent of the work. It's made eighty twenty, yeah, yeah, say, yeah. but ninety yeah. ten in this case. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just made that. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's uh, but you understand what I'm saying. So it's worldwide. It's it's a worldwide. Uh, 
uh, problem that exists around communication really uh, when it comes to maintenance and, and, and property. Yeah. We have a shortage of tradespeople, don't we, as well? I mean, that, yeah. that can be yeah. a problem for, yeah, I see it firsthand. I mean, we've got a government who's hell bent and building 100,000 houses and hmm? you haven't got the people to build them. Absolutely. So, so your product as well assists in, you know, whether tradies actually want to do the job as well. You know, they can give you a quick answer rather than having to go out and do quotes and, and that right. takes a hell of a lot of time for them. Uh, let's look at you, you know, let's move away from Tappy as a business. Um, let's talk about you for a wee bit. I mean, you tell about you being from a flashing basis. You're obviously not an old guy. How old are you? 25. 25. I've turned 26 in a couple of months. Right. Yeah. right. So how long have you been working on this whole concept? How long have you been an entrepreneur for? Well, well Tappy in itself uh, was about three years starting ago as, as, a, as a little baby idea that we went, how can we again improve the, the quality of, of, of tenants, how they perceive their experience in rental. Uh, that's changed now to how can we heal the relationship, like yeah. I said. Uh, me, myself, as an entrepreneur, uh, most of my life, I've, yeah. started, I've done quite a few different uh, little side businesses and I've sold a few of them and I've been involved in, uh, in, in many different uh, tech ventures, yeah. technology ventures, yeah. yeah. And because you, you originally from Israel, aren't you? Yeah, originally. Yeah, I moved here and i uh, And, and the, ru the rumor is that you actually started a business at a really very young age in Israel. <laughs> Can you give us a bit of background about that and what you actually did? Because I think this is a great story. All right, David, uh, you'd love this one. Um, uh, when, I, when I was six years old, uh, my father um, gave me access to, to a bunch of books about technology and uh, he said, six, six years old? Yeah, yeah. I, I uh, in some ways, thought uh, this is, this is uh, not right. Let me go outside and play. And I mean, he was like, you learn these books. And these books were about technology, were about um, how to program. I mean, I'm reading yeah. Zach Power to my six-year-old son, you know, and your Give dad's... some crazy books. And your dad's giving him <laughs> books on, on what? On code? I resented it. Yeah, it was, it, was about, it was about code. It was about code. It caused some resentment for a while, but hey, now I look back and I go, thank God that happened. Um, and in a way, I learned that early on, learned how to code. Uh, I really embedded uh, entrepreneurship and technology into my brain early. And um, at six, I spent about... Uh, six months uh, building a, a school testing system. So what it allowed uh, is uh, school kids to be able to uh, speak into the computer and answer quizzes, like normal quizzes, you know. So, so you did that at like a primary school age of like seven, six, seven years old. Yeah, 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 yeah. So that was, that was pretty, a pretty exciting uh, little venture, which I didn't think is a venture. I was like, oh, well, I'm gonna build something. Yeah. It's second nature um, to you. It's like playing with Lego, we're supposing, you know, in a way. Yeah, or... I found that my friends were, were not able to really type back then. Back then, obviously, it wasn't iPhone time. Uh, I wasn't quite back from uh, before my before technology, but I was in the point where, uh, you know, there was, there, was, there was keyboards, and for kids, keyboards were still pretty tough at that point. And I was like, this is tough for kids to be able to type um, answers into um, tests, and there must be a way to make it better, yeah. because people are still writing tests on the computer, and I can write really fast. Now, is, Israel has a, a, a reputation around technology, doesn't yeah. it? You know, so, I mean, I actually use a, uh, a project management software called Monday, which was founded in Israel. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, I know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. and it's, it's, it's wonderful. And, and so it's, it's a bit yes. of a tech hub. Now, so how is it true that you sold a business to the Israeli army? Yeah, so they're just six. Uh, it's, it's a place, at, yeah. At the age of six. Seven, seven, seven. seven. Oh, sorry, seven. Right. So you sold a business to the Israeli army at the age of seven. It was a bit of um, a bit of a funny story, like that technology. So that exact thing happened around uh, 
I built this uh, tool and there was some voice recognition stuff in there and uh, my grandfather's mate who uh, uh, was involved in the Israeli army working tech was like, oh, well, I'd love to, I'd love to buy this. And I think it was kind of like a trophy purchase where he was like, oh, I'd love to tell my mates about this. Yeah. Uh, but he bought it, he bought it for a hundred bucks and I was stoked. I bought a lot of lollies with that. What's it I didn't know what to do. What's it worth now, Sal? <laughs> I, I don't think it will be worth much at all, but hey, it was a pretty funny story to, to think about going, you know, it started that early. And, um, but, but at that yeah. early age, I mean, straight away, it's teaching you the lessons, you know, of going out there and having a go in business. Yeah, well, you know, I learned now I probably shouldn't have sold it for a hundred bucks. <laughs> <laughs> Probably should have gone higher. I should have highballed him. Yeah. Um, no, it was a pretty, pretty exciting moment, and uh, it kind of got me excited towards the the rest of life, which has been multiple other attempts and some wins, some losses, and that's really business. Really, you know, you, yeah. you fail, you win, and you learn from your mistakes, and then you win again, and you keep learning and growing from that. So, yeah. see, I mean, you'll there'll be people who listen to this who will be, you know. At some point, they'll think, I want to have a go, I want to have a go. Yeah. What advice can you give them as, go for as, as an entrepreneur? Go for it. If you don't wake up on Monday excited about what you're doing with your life, and you're not rejuvenated every Monday going, this is not, uh, if you're not super excited about what you're doing on a Monday, then it's not worth it. If you're waiting for the weekend to have a couple of days off, just to go out and party or do whatever or take some time off and it, you're not doing it right. You should be loving the work you're doing and find what makes you love what you do and get into that business because you're working and you're working most of your life. You work, you spend a good portion of your life at work, more than you do at home. Apart from sleeping, obviously, you spend at work. You should be loving what you're doing. I mean, I mean, I started business and I regret it, you know, at 42. Uh, 42, 43, when I think, you know, and, and people who come and see me, I'd say if you're young, just go for it because you can afford to make those mistakes yeah. at a young age. I mean, you know, to go for it, just go for it. You know, Monday morning, decide I'm going to quit my job, right? Yeah. Then what? Do you sit down? Do you have a business plan? Do you map it out? What do you do? How do you raise finances? All these types of things. You know, so, so how did you start this? Well, from, from day one, from planning it out, what did you do? Well, I, I was lucky enough to get into uh, a, a business incubator uh, in Wellington here uh, called Creative HQ. And they took me on board with my entrepreneurial, entrepreneurial aspirations and kind of gave me some, some, uh, some teachings with some really good business advisors. Uh, one thing we learn about is, is the lean methodology. And that says, don't build a business plan. Day one, don't build a business plan. Right. What it says is, go out and talk to your potential customers and figure out what problem you're solving for them. Yeah. Figure out how much you're willing to pay for them. And then figure out how you're going to execute on that later. So tell them, okay, I'll come back in three months and I'll solve it for you. And that's what you do. That's the, the framework we followed. We went out to our, customers, our early potential customers, the ones we wanted to solve the problem for. We got we harassed them until they gave us a meeting. <laughs> yeah. They sat down with us. So persistence is a, a real important yeah, thing. That's absolutely. one of the things you've absolutely. got to be, you've got to be tenacious almost, don't you? You've just yeah. got to keep knocking on the door. That's right, yeah, absolutely. Uh, it's resilience. Yeah. Resilience and empathy. Those are the two key aspects. If you have, you're going to make it far. Yeah. If you're resilient and you know someone tells you, I don't want to talk to you, and you know, okay, cool, I'll go to the next person, and you don't get sad about the fact that one person told you no, then you're good to go. And if you're empathetic towards someone, well, you can relate to them. And that's what you need to be in business to make uh, sales, to deliver success for your customers, and to do anything else.
We're good. We're good. So it's just a bit noisy, Adam. So, like, you can cut, just cut there a little bit, eh? So, Sal, I mean, now you've, you've got the business to, to where you've got it. You've got your lease in the place in, in the centre of Wellington. Yep. How many people on the payroll? There's an upcoming six. So we've got five and we got we just uh, hired the sixth person. One of the things that businesses can struggle with, I mean, I've found it as well, is taking that leap of faith when to get people on your payroll mm-hmm. before the revenue's coming in. Mm-hmm. You know, at some point, is there a, a step where you just, you've just got to go for it? When you're working uh, at night time, doing the tasks that someone else should be doing, and you're working after hours, those tasks over and over and over again, repeating the same tasks, then hire someone to do them. Yeah. And a business, that makes sense to me, right? You know, yes. I don't think, I think that's, that's the <laughs> If you're up all night doing the job that you shouldn't be doing when you're working in the business, on the business, um, then yeah, hire someone else to do that. And you've got a bit of an international flavour of, of your company. I mean, like, obviously yeah. you're from Israel. When did you move to New Zealand? When I was nine. When you were so nine? I'm a Kiwi. I, call, yeah. I tried to call myself. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and what about, Nearly. yeah, well, I mean, look, I'm a Kiwi now. I've got a Kiwi passport. What yeah. about, you know, like you've got the, the Chicago boy over there working away quietly in the summer. Taylor. Taylor yeah. You yeah. know, you've got uh, Florian from Germany. From Germany, from Berlin. From Berlin. That's right. And and your other people, are they from New Zealand? Or? Well, we got Danny from New Zealand. Yeah. Uh, and we got Jason. Yeah. And he's from, he's from the UK. Yeah. So he's uh, he just started with us a few months ago on marketing. He's, um, he's doing an absolutely amazing job. Uh, he's from London. Um, yeah, like just an amazing international team, and everyone's got different, crazy different skills. You know, you got Taylor, who's an ex-American football uh, yep. player, um, coming in and putting those plays into and, and, and his flavour into what he does, his job. You got Jason, who's from the UK. Um, you know, is an almost world famous musician. Got millions on, of plays on Spotify and right. uh, and and. and iTunes and stuff, and yeah, he's working with us on marketing. It's it's just it's just pretty amazing, you know. Oh, and cool. you've got Florian as a well, he's a film and coffee lover, so yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I mean, how have you built your business? Is it through you, you talk about your marketing team and your guys come on in marketing? Yeah. I mean, do do you have a big marketing budget, or is it more a case of going out door knocking, having coffees, the networking, the going to conferences, talking to people? This is what you said from the outset, yeah. Tal, about you know talk to people, find the problems, yeah. and then fix it. You know, you, you obviously got a bit of momentum going now. Absolutely. Is is that through more through networking? Yes, and I think that's the most important thing in business. Uh, if you do, if you're selling business to business, if you're selling business to, business to consumer. Uh, you have to find the problem first, and then find out how to mass market it. So if you uh, saying to you know you have to get a million users on, or a million, uh, let's say ten thousand subscribers to your magazine, an example, uh, you're going to need to market it to them because you can't have door knock someone door knocking on ten thousand potential customers. Yeah. Uh, but if you're selling business to business and your transactions are, you know, and your, and your transaction is worthwhile, and uh, the value of you working with a customer is worthwhile, then you've got the luxury to really be able to to go to that to potential sale and work closely with them and deliver success for them very, uh, very closely. Which then comes to really just relationships. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, most most businesses uh, most businesses we work with are business to business style businesses. And they're really, yeah, all, all about, um, you know, relationships. That's where it starts. When, when things, you know, because, I mean, it's never plain sailing in business, is it? You've always got to have your little speed bumps and 
and things go wrong. Oh yeah. You know, I mean, particularly with software, because there's always going to be glitches, bugs. 100%. Yeah. How do you go around, you know, appeasing consumers when those things happen? Because they'll be frustrated, they're trying to run the business. Absolutely. How do, how do you deal with that? We've got a pretty strict um, sort of support system where we, we, we work, we're still very connected to our customers and we make them, uh, we, we keep very close to them and we keep things, uh, we get things fixed very quickly uh, and we have an urgent system where we align things to, okay, how do we get the most urgent bits done right now mm-hmm. and the less urgent things done later, the request of, okay, can we improve the product in a big way? Um, you have to prioritize as a business and go, okay, what do we need to deal with right today and what do we deal with next week? I think to answer your question, it's it's an interesting um, an interesting scenario because you know software is is a, is, a, is a tough game where you know everyone's moving to these new technologies, the cloud. They're moving to uh, to trying to uh, create a better experience for their customers and everything. And these technology companies like ourselves uh, naturally um, have uh, you know things happening along the way where it comes off as bugs or sometimes it's a huge success and we're delivering consistent change. One of the things we say is we're, we're software companies are lucky to be agile where we can adapt every every week, every second week. We can deliver new features, new new uh, value adds so quickly um, so that you know when something happens, when say a new regulation, uh, some new regulation that goes in or uh, new legislation goes in, then we can be ahead of the curve to provide that value for you. And, you know, being that fast, it's just natural that, you know, we're, we're ahead of the curve and you just got to keep it ahead yeah. of the curve. Yeah. You know, you're not dealing with politics, you're dealing with a big board, I yeah. suppose. They just give you the free rent, off you go, they trust you, they back you. I mean, you talk about, you know, with technology companies, there's also a risk with technology companies. One minute they could be worth $5 million, $10 million. I mean, and the years later they become obsolete. Does that concern you at all? Do you, or is it just a case of, well, that's just a, a risk of what we do and we're just going to roll with it and be the best we can be? Not at all. If, if I was in it for money, yes. But I mean, it's a solid problem I'm passionate about. And that's why you need to find, if you're looking to start a business that uh, you're looking to take off the ground, you need to be passionate about the problem. Passionate about the problem, passionate about waking up on Monday to give it. Two hundred and fifty percent, not yeah. hundred, not, not, not. You know money. what? You know I couldn't, couldn't agree more. If it's purely, and I always say, if it's purely about the money, yeah, you shouldn't be in business. No. You've got to be passionate about what you do. For me, that's the biggest driver. And, and you know, seeing what you're doing is is remarkable. I mean, like future trends. Where do you see things going in in, in the future? It's hard to predict. Um, it's fast moving, but what do you see as a future for Tappy? And what do you see as a future for for residential property management? Absolutely. Well, I mean, obviously, everything that's going on in the market right now is, uh, you know, moving towards uh, better education, um, better regulation, which is an excellent uh, move, I believe, to the markets. Uh, you have so much that's going in uh, from, obviously, Labor government for change at the moment. Look, we're trying to stay two steps ahead of the curve by helping add value uh, to, let's say, reduce some of... Uh, these big changes in terms of the process, uh, you know, that extra time that you have to deal with. Um, I see Tapi going in, in amazing directions in the future, and that's to do with a whole around uh, with artificial intelligence, basically, which is where we're working towards. And what we're doing is some really amazing stuff with enabling you to get quotes, for example, 
um, before the trader even quotes it. Imagine that world where, okay, we've got 10 traders out there uh, that have completed a job in uh, this region uh, that's specifically to do with a, a, a light repair or let's say something else like a tap repair and we know exactly how much on average it's going to cost and can tell you you're going to spend this exact amount before you're going to um, approve the job from one of your suppliers. You know, you take it one step further. I mean, I can see great benefits to a landlord as well because if you can have a particular house of a particular era yeah. and you go to them and say, look, over 10 years, this is what it's going to cost you on average, you know, in repairs and maintenance. That's exactly right, David. And that's where we're working towards an end goal, enabling you to add value to your um, banking owner. And that's like what I like about what you always say, that is you know the, the market's moving towards property managers becoming property consultants. Yeah. And that's us enabling that on the maintenance side. We believe we can enable property managers to really add value to the so owners before yeah. beyond anything they've ever experienced before because it's unrealistic to do that. Because at the moment what yeah. we do we have an industry where we're reactive. And yeah. all we do we put out fires and deal with all the bloody emotion and half of it is just you know ridiculous. Where we want to get us into a position where you know you never lose a people aspect of the business but we've got to become more attuned to actually we are managing a property with property managers there's an asset there we've got to be giving the landlord advice on how to spend the dollar to make sure that the property is performing and we've got to look after the tenant make sure the tenant's comfortable happy in a property which is safe because right. they're going to dealt with quickly you've got it sounds like you've got a product which can cater for all of that absolutely is it, limited, is it limited to property i mean i could see an opportunity here with cars and, and all types of things Let's start with property and make okay. uh, and okay. stick stick to that for now and um we're passionate again about solving a specific problem and uh, i'm not passionate about solving maintenance for cars yet <laughs> <laughs> maybe when i get a car one day but i live in wellington so i can just walk down the road to yeah. <laughs> all right well listen sal i mean look it's been great having you uh join us for this podcast uh best of luck I mean, you don't need luck. You've got to make it. You can see. I mean, the business is going gangbusters. Um, you know, and well done on everything that you've achieved so far in life. Thank you very much, David. It's been a pleasure. This podcast was brought to you by Real IQ. Real IQ are the training partner to the Skills Organisation, delivering New Zealand Residential Property Management Level Four qualification. Real IQ, the knowledge base of the property management industry.